You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Colton's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 119. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you this week. We've got Emma Gray from the Huffington Post and the Here to Make Friends podcast. And then, of course, Casey Campbell is back to dissect episode number seven on Tuesday night, which was uh, that was a little gut wrencher, to say the least. I don't know if you can tell in my voice. I am a little bit under the weather. I'm a little congested. I try not to sniffle as I really tried to hold it in during Emma's recording with Emma and even Casey for that matter. Or I, every time I did have to sniffle, I would turn down my microphone. So, um, but there were a couple times where you just kind of, I just kind of sniffle without even realizing it. So I apologize for that if it comes across in the podcast. Uh, as always, please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, I do have uh, one, we don't even have an ad this week, but I do have a survey for you to fill out to get us to know you a little bit better and what you want as listeners in terms of the advertising on the podcast. So if you could take three minutes out of your day and fill out the um, survey that I have, I give the link in the podcast and I will have the link on my website today right underneath the podcast as well. So you can fill that out. I just need a little bit more help in term in determining, you know, what you guys want to hear, what you guys, what products you guys are interested in and stuff like that. So we'll get to that. Also, um, one thing to uh, update you on in regards to the Emma podcast in the first five minutes of the podcast with Emma you will hear you know that you know the ding you get if you get a message on Facebook Facebook Messenger and your phone dings so i'm recording with Emma and the ding goes off once and i'm like okay maybe someone dinged me on 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 Facebook and th- and then it went off two or three or four maybe even five times and i realized it was coming from emma's end and then we uh we correct it and i tell her hey is there a way to turn that off and it wasn't even coming from her facebook messenger she has her phone linked to her laptop so anytime she gets a text message it was uh going off on her computer which was right next to her she figured out how to shut it down but we recorded this yesterday during the michael cohen hearing and obviously emma covering the huffington writing for the huffington post she was getting a lot of people texting her. <laughs> so just know it goes away after about five minutes or so. So uh, keep that in mind as we uh, listen to Emma Gray from the Here to Make Friends podcast and the Huffington Post. And then, of course, Casey Campbell will be on to uh, dissect episode number seven of Temptation Island, which got picked up for a season two. It's going to film later this year. They've already committed to 12 episodes, meaning they will have their regular 11 and then a reunion show. So that'll be fun. And obviously we've got Three episodes left. Well, actually, eight, nine, ten, eleven. No, we got four episodes left of this season of Temptation Island, and uh, yeah, pure craziness to say the least. Anyway, let's get started. Let's first up with uh, Emma Gray with podcast number one nineteen. Okay, let's bring in our guest. She is the senior women's reporter at the Huffington Post. She authored the twenty eighteen book, A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance. She's also the co-host 
of the very popular Here to Make Friends podcast. It's Emma Gray. Emma, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm so excited. Now, I haven't read your book, but um, just going off the title, I'm guessing that doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars, right? We're not talking about it that, that resistance. Not. No, no, that's a good <laughs> resistance, though. I am I'm into Star Wars. Okay, so. so you are into it, and you're very well aware of the resistance and the, yes. and oh, yeah. what they present in the galaxy. Okay, yeah. Um, but for those unfamiliar, tell people a little bit about your book. So this is actually good timing because today is the first anniversary of its publication. So how about that? You know, yeah, my my firstborn is having a birthday. Um, but this is a book that I wrote as sort of a an act, grassroots activism 101 guide for young women specifically. Um, I covered the 2016 election. Um, part of what I do is, you know, fun things like hosting a bachelor podcast, but the bulk of my job is focusing on women's issues and culture and the way that that intersects with politics. So I, I did a lot of coverage of the 2016 election, specifically of Hillary Clinton's campaign. Um, and so I wit really witnessed firsthand what an impact her loss had on many women in this country. And I covered the Women's March, the first one. And so I really saw what it looked like when the kind of pain and anger that came up after the election was channeled into action, into productive action. So I wanted to just interview a bunch of women who had, you know, been doing this kind of work for sometimes decades without a lot of accolades and see what advice they could offer the, the younger generation. You know, you said that your book covered um, the you know women's issues and how it inter uh, intersects with politics. I mean, gosh, since 2016, has that even come across at all? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not relevant at all. I mean, I always say like never a dull moment in my job. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it's, it's pretty much all we've dealt with for yes three years. Um, okay, um, I, I I did want to talk about. Um, your podcast and kind of how it came to be the here to make friends podcast yeah. with, with you and Claire is like I said, it's very popular among bachelor nation. How, how long ago did you guys start and what brought it on and how long have you been friends with Claire? So Claire and I have worked together for eight years. Okay. That's how we know each other. We became good friends uh, at the office and we started the podcast. Caitlin Bristow's season was our first season. So whenever that was, <laughs> that is when the podcast started. And it came about because HuffPost was kind of experimenting with podcasts for the first time. We didn't have any uh, culture entertainment podcasts being piloted. And I had been writing recaps of the show for a few years prior. And Claire had been watching the show longer than me. And she was a prolific tweeter, still is. She's very sharp and funny. And she just kind of had the idea, like, why don't we combine our efforts here and maybe pitch a podcast? And neither of us had ever done podcasting. So we were hopelessly clueless about the whole thing. But we went with this pitch to uh, our head of audio at the time. And she was like, OK, what the hell? I'll give you guys a chance to to do a pilot and see what kind of reaction we get. And it worked out. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, you, God, I didn't realize you guys have been covering it since Caitlin's season. That's a long I know. time. I <laughs> know. Me either. <laughs> and it's every week. I mean, you guys are doing every, you recap basically every episode, right? Yes. Thank goodness uh, we get little breaks in the in the off season. People are always like, why don't you keep going? I'm like, I need, I need a moment to breathe and not think about this show. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of this show, obviously, with Colton's season airing right now, I haven't even asked you this yet, so I might as well, so I can know how to proceed with the rest of the interview. Are you spoiler-free this season spoiler or no? Spoiler-free, yes. For, for I am not opposed to spoilers uh, in general. I don't find that it ruins my experience, but for the sake of the podcast, um, I try to remain as spoiler-free as possible, and our podcast is spoiler-free. I have one request. Can you go yes. to Vibrate on your uh phone yeah oh my god i don't know how to do so i don't know how to it's it's on my laptop is the problem it's oh it's the happening on your laptop oh yes it's and i closed it and it's still popping up and i don't know why oh geez yeah i don't know how to remove it from i can ugh, i'm so sorry it's because of the michael cohen testimony people are texting me <laughs> yeah i'm sure he's, uh, i'm sure he's got some interesting things to say today sure. oh it is it is it's wild um Oh my God! Why is this? Ding. God, I'm trying to like. Are those, e- out are those emails coming? Every time you're getting an email, it's no, out? no, no. It's actually text messages, but they they go to my laptop. Um, oh. I'm just trying to figure out how I mute them. So even if you're mute on your phone, it doesn't. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I am muted on my phone. Um. I'm sorry. Let me try to figure this out. Okay. We briefly had to take a break there real quick so you could fix that. It's fixed. So um, we won't be hearing any more dings. Um, you're spoiler free on Colton season. Okay. So let's proceed that way. Yeah. Um, but in terms of your podcast, was there a season or a contestant or even a moment um, that dominated your podcasts for a period of time to where you felt you spent I don't know an inordinate amount of time on it or a topic that just is maybe one that reoccurs on your podcast a lot so when we started the podcast we decided to make it explicitly feminist to allow us to kind of differentiate ourselves from some of the other recap podcasts and also bring our sensibilities in terms of um, our backgrounds and what we you know write about in our in most of our jobs to uh, our coverage of The Bachelor because we think that it's important to speak about even things that are you know considered quote unquote fluffy in an intelligent way and I don't think that we quite realized how much uh, gender and race issues would come up so explicitly as they have in recent seasons. And so, for example, um, when there was the whole DeMario Corinne uh, potential sexual assault scandal, it required us to really dive into that so, so carefully. And I think we had to spend a lot of time on that, which it's a mixed bag when that happens. You know, in part, I think it's really fascinating. Um, And sometimes... I wonder, like, is is this is covering this show ever going to be like lighthearted and fun? Um, But I'm still, you know, I stand by the way that we cover it. And I do think it's important. I'm trying to think of other examples. I certainly think we 
talked a lot about Garrett in Becca's season. And that was something that, again, felt necessary. But I I wanted to stop talking about him, but he was the winner. <laughs> so yeah. it felt, and, and because all of the, you know, sort of his history with liking bigoted posts came out right at the beginning of the season, it felt really weird to talk about him as this romantic figure without acknowledging that. Um, and so it, that kind of necessitated us talking about it more than I, I would have preferred to. Well, I got to imagine as feminists covering this show, um, considering the show is not the most progressive show in the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, there's issues that you're dealing with every single season. And like you said, it, it probably is hard to talk about the lighthearted stuff uh, being the stance that you guys take on the show. Just because, like I said, this show kind of at times sets the women's movement back about 50 years. Um, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty retrograde, just the, the structure of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not... <laughs> They're really not caught up to the times. I mean, we had our first black lead, um, you know, uh, with Rachel, and it took right. it took them thirty four, thirty five seasons to do that. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it that's got to be tough for you guys. Like, it seems like you'd be fighting an uphill battle all the time with this. It's definitely a challenge, and I will say we're not doing it with the expectation that like suddenly the Bachelor is going to become this you know, progressive, like, product. That's that's not really the goal. Um, the goal is more, so many people are consuming this show. Yeah. Millions, every season. And it's been going on, as obviously you're, you know better than anyone, for a really long time. Uh, and, and its viewership really, really cuts across the political spectrum, which is also very interesting. So it, it just... This show is reaching a ton of people and because it's reaching a ton of people and because it's been on for so long, there must be something about it that is drawing people in. Even people who, you know, it doesn't fit with their value systems necessarily. And so for that reason, I think it's really fascinating and almost essential to critique it and talk about the messaging that we're getting and also why we enjoy it at the same time that we're critical of it. Hey guys, stop down real quick. Uh, not an ad this week, but uh, I got a survey for you. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash Steve. Take a quick anonymous survey that will help get us, get us to know you a little bit better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Steve. Thank you for your help. Now, back to Emma Gray, uninterrupted for the remainder of the podcast. I want to talk about Colton's season because that's a Great. Good, good segue to, to bring up Colton and what's going on this season. Have you been enjoying, not enjoying this season? Where are you at with what you've seen through the first eight episodes? I have been enjoying it. I was not super excited for Colton when it was announced. I just felt kind of meh about him. Um, but I found him to actually be quite charming. He has somewhat of a sense of humor. I think his awkwardness is 
is endearing. Um, and I think we've gotten some actually substantive conversations between him and some of the women, which I have quite enjoyed. Uh, there are certain aspects of his uh, adherence to kind of traditional gender roles and traditional um, parts of the courtship scenario that definitely is not, you know, are not my favorite. Uh, and that was pretty apparent during the hometowns episode with yeah. all of the, the asking the father yeah. specifically for permission to, you know, marry yeah. their, their daughters. And that, that was something that I tweeted about and oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that okay, later. Yeah, okay, I, have, I have that saved for later. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's, that's sort of my, my mixed review, but overall I, I'm quite fond of him. What about the women? Who did you take to and who do you not care for? If any, um, I was very into Elise at the beginning. I thought she was like holding it down for the 31 year olds as a 31 year old. I appreciated that, you know, sliver of representation. Yeah. Um, I, I like Tasha. I really like Kerpa. I thought she was funny. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed Hannah B so much more than I thought I would. She really grew on me over the course of the season. Um, and I obviously really admired the strength that Kaylin showed in in speaking so candidly about a topic that is as difficult and, and personal as sexual assault. And I thought that was a really important moment and something that I really commend her for, you know, using the, a platform like The Bachelor to address. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've discussed this in the last uh, couple of weeks. I think there's a case to be made for the fact that I think Hannah B. is really one of the few contest contestants, if not the only contestant this season, who we truly know about. Like, I think we yeah. know we know Kaylin's backstory, but when you look at Hannah B., you know exactly what you're getting. She's... Yeah, she's a former pageant girl and lost out to Kaylin. But come off that way though, she doesn't come off so. Oh, not at all. Because she comes across as dorky and goofy and with tons of insecurities, which exactly I think lends itself to a. And in recent weeks, since she's been eliminated, has been you know bachelorette talk surrounding her because, and not you know not ruining for anything you know in the future of what who could be up for it and who could be. I mean, we all know if you get to the final four, you're pretty much. A candidate, yeah. but let's just say of the people in the you know the final four, the only one that we know is 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 out is Kaylin right now, and you take Kaylin versus somebody like Hannah B. Put it this way: for the longest time this season, um, I was under the assumption that there's no way the Bachelorette wouldn't be Kaylin because I thought this show in the year 2019, in the middle of the Me Too movement would absolutely eat up the fact that they had a sexual assault survivor as their lead. I just figured they wouldn't pass up that opportunity because they're always looking for narratives and storylines. Yes. And what better person to put as their lead girl as this girl who went through this traumatic episode, uh, this not episode, this traumatic experience opened up about it on an episode and everybody fell in love with her. However, since that episode, Kaylin basically fell off the face of the earth. And if anything, got a bad edit, you know, calling Tasha a stupid bitch didn't really do wonders for her edit. No. Um, coming across as almost mean girly. Um, 
And then you got someone like Hannah B who was just kind of goofy, bubbly, dorky, has insecurities, and I think is more can I think women who watch this show can probably relate a hell of a lot more to Hannah B than they can Kaylin, who is a Miss USA runner up. I think more women can put themselves in Hannah B's shoes than Kaylin's shoes. What do you think? I agree uh, to an extent. I think, I think, um, of course, a lot of women can probably relate to Kaylin's experience of being a survivor. But in terms of personality, yeah. Hannah B is a lot more relatable. I also feel like, you know, I always sort of have a concern when we're talking about making a 23 year old The Bachelorette. That's not my favorite. I personally loved. Uh, Caitlin's season and Rachel's season, seeing these women who had like really had a lot of experience dating, really seemed to know themselves, had already established careers. That's my preference. But if we're going to have a 23-year-old, I'd prefer one that um, has a little bit of overt personality, is willing to kind of be a weirdo on camera. Again, that's something that was really endearing with Caitlin Bristow. Um, And I think when people come in to rehearse, it can, and cautious, it can make the show just a bit less entertaining, which I don't blame people for. I mean, the smart thing to do, like, especially if you've watched the show, is to come in and be like, I want to, like not screw this up. I mean, that's a normal instinct, but the moments that end up coming across as the most compelling, especially because we know the format of the show, it's happened a million times. What you kind of live for is the moments that feel like, Oh, this is truly um, why we enjoy unscripted television because life is messy. Yeah. And I think, you know, everybody knows if you make it to the final four, you are a candidate for bachelorette. And so we've got our four women that are left or three women that are left and then Kaylin. And then I think Hannah B certainly is the running and we're going to find out in the next week or so who the bachelorette is because they're going to announce it on the uh, on the after the final rose on the 12th. So which is what they normally do. They announce it on that finale show. And then we're right into bachelorette season. So it will be interesting. I mean, I've heard from every single I've seen so many fans. I put a poll out there of who they expected to. Yeah. Can you hear me? You got me. Steve. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Weird. Um, but I put a poll out there of, you know, who women, you know, who the fans want to see as the bachelorette. I mean, it's, it's what did people say? It's all over the map. Um, I mean, it's, it's, of the four names that I gave, well, I don't want to say anything because you're not spoiled <laughs> because I purposely left one name out because I know who wins this season. Okay. But um, of the four names that I gave, the percentage breakdown was 31%, 27%, 25%, 18%, I think. So it's not like there was somebody that was 50% and then everyone else was splitting up the the other three women were splitting up the other 50%. It was fairly close and then if you read the comments underneath that poll there was plenty of them were like why does it have to be any of these women i don't like any of them let's pick somebody from a past season or pick somebody new ask do you think that they would ever do that no no i don't see i don't see it and there's a couple reasons 
for it. Number one, you got to remember, and, and people can say, well, they, they picked Nick out of left field and picked Ari out of left field. And I said, okay, but here's what you got to look at. The Bachelorette starts filming two days after Colton's finale airs. With his After the Final Rose airs Tuesday the 12th. Bachelorette starts filming March 14th. And so when they announce that Bachelorette there on Tuesday night on the After the Final Rose, it really doesn't make a lot of sense for them to throw out, and I'm just picking out one of the names that was thrown from the past. Some people say Christina Schulman. Yeah. It's just like Christina Schulman isn't on anybody's mind right now. And and anybody, anybody that's going to invest two hours on the finale on Monday the 11th and then come back two hours the next night, for them to sit there and say, all right, our next Bachelorette, Christina Schulman, there's there's zero buzz. There's nothing surrounding it. Everyone just invested in the Colton season. They want to see someone from the season they just watched. The Bachelor's, yeah, a, little, yeah. Bachelor's a little bit different in the fact that Bachelorette season starts or ends airing first week of August, but they don't make that Bachelor announcement for another month. You know, Ari was made September 7th. Colton was made first week of September this year as well. They have a month to sit on things, and there's not this momentum gaining for somebody. And they've got Paradise airing that whole month right after Bachelorette stops airing. So you can still pull somebody from that. And I think that's why. And, you know, the facts are the facts. The 14 Bachelorettes that we've had, all but one of them came from the season that we just watched. So I don't see them doing it. But, yeah, I guess if it ain't broke. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see them doing it outside of one of Colton's women, and I don't see them ever going the route of – if they are going to do somebody not from the immediate season, it definitely would be probably someone from the franchise. Uh, but I don't see them going the celebrity route. The Khloe Kardashian stuff that was on Twitter this whole week was so stupid. It was oh, like, no, I think that's just – Yeah, yeah it's that's just – That's, that's just hype and whatnot. Um, yeah. I think one of the other things is that I, I pointed out, you know, people are the people that were claiming like, why can't we pick someone from another season? If you go back the last three bachelor seasons and probably the average fan has no clue about this, but I knew it was, I knew the number was pretty high, but I didn't realize how high it was. Do you realize the last three bachelor seasons? So we're talking Ari, Nick and Ben Higgins, the top four girls on all four of those, uh, all three of those seasons. So 12 women, Every single one of them is in a relationship right now. All of them. Like, we, I went through the whole list. And so it's like, okay, so if you're thinking about let's let's choose someone from another season, <laughs> now you're looking at fifth, sixth, and seventh place from two years ago? Like, it's just not happening. It's Those, yeah. people, those people have zero momentum. I mean, Daniel no, Maltby that. and Christina Schulman were the only names that made any sense. And they're just, they're not going to be the Bachelorette. I don't know what else to say. Um it's going to be one of Colton's women. I just, I don't know who yet. I really don't know where they're leaning. Who would you like to see? I don't know. I'm kind of torn about it, honestly. Um, I feel like Cassie and Hannah G are, would bore me. I don't know. Just not into that. I, I think uh, Hannah B, Tasha, or Kaylin. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, those would be my picks. I don't feel super strongly about it um they all have i'm not like super excited about any of them but also you know like colton people can surprise you and it and it honestly depends more on who they who they cast as the the guys because the the lead needs to be able to express themselves and their feelings and they need to be able to kind of carry the narrative but the actual drama we all know comes from the contestants 
I mean, that's why Ari was so frustrating because he couldn't even, he couldn't even do that. He couldn't even like say what he felt, which is the one job of the bachelor. Yeah. Well, it's funny because people talk about the leads all the time and who they like and who they don't like yet. You know, the, the show just keeps plugging along. I mean, I'm in the middle of one of my highest traffic and highest grossing seasons I've ever had. And 80% of the reaction I hear about this season is how much Colton sucks. You know, I mean, I, I just, oh, he's horrible. He can't, he can't, he can't speak to the women. He's so boring and all this stuff. And I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my traffic and I'm like, well, people are interested because yeah, not that boring. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he's obviously not that boring. And that's why, but again, he could be boring. I mean, that's obviously, that's also a subjective opinion. Like there's of nothing course. that specifically says he is boring or he isn't. I think, I think more than 50% probably don't care for him as a bachelor, but that again, that has nothing to do with whether or not people are choosing to watch the show. We're all going to watch because hate watching has become a thing now. I mean, that's why people oh, do yeah. it. And I mean, what are you what are you getting on your podcast in terms of the feedback of this season and just in who you have spoken to? I think it's been a mixed bag. I think some people have been pleasantly surprised by certain aspects of, of the season. I think we've definitely heard from some women who are frustrated that we're down to the end and it's like a bunch of 23-year-olds, you know, that is a little bit frustrating. Um, but I, you know what? It's like we hear the same things kind of every season. Every season we get people saying, this might be the last season I'm watching or I'm only watching to listen to your podcast. Um, yeah. Like... Every, every season, people kind of say that. And then, I mean, probably myself included sometimes. I'm like, I'm done with this. And then, you know, I just go back for more because I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. I mean, I kind of goes in one ear and out the other when I hear people say that because I look at the not only my numbers every season, but I look at the show's ratings. And, you know, I'm right. looking at Colton's ratings this season. I posted it in my column this morning. Every single week since episode one, it has it has added viewers. It went, you know, I'll, I'll just rip through these real quick. 5.1 million, 5.6, 5.9, 6.35. Oh, and then dipped to 6.2 after that. But then 6.23, 6.48, and then episode eight that we just aired was 6.74 million. So it's, which is typical of every season. They tune in in the beginning. They kind of tune out in the middle because there's so many contestants still left and it gets confusing. But then they come around when there's four to six, seven people left and they want to see it play out. And, um, you know, I know you don't know the spoilers to this season, but ha have you heard rumblings about the ending and what goes on this season or no? I've, I've heard some rumblings and I've, it's, I also feel like at this point I've gotten pretty good at making educated guesses because I've close read this show for so long now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have, I have my, you know, suspicions. I want to know what your guess is. How do you think this um, is going to end? I'm not sure exactly how it's going to end, but I feel like something with Cassie is going to precipitate the fence jumping. Um, he just seems so obviously into her, and I can't decide if they're going to end up together or not, but I think she's the end game. And they also have, like, been really careful to replay over and over and over again that like his greatest fear is that he's going to love someone. They're not going to love him back. We've had a bunch of women self eliminate. So I could see 
that playing a role. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly an interesting ending, and it's and it definitely is something that we have, um, you know, the hyperbole every season by Chris Harrison. It's the most dramatic season ever, or oh my gosh, you're never going to believe this, but legitimately, this season is something we've never seen um, on the show before. Yeah, it'll <laughs> it certainly will be interesting. Is there anything that you look at? And I, you know, people talk all the time about wanting to make changes to the show or what they would do differently. Is there anything that comes to mind about how you would make the show different? Oh gosh! Like what's one? What's one thing that yeah. you would change? Like some someone today said in my reader emails, they asked about you know maybe they should just eliminate rose ceremonies. I'm like, well, that's never going to happen. That's a staple of the show. That's like eliminating tribal council at Survivor. It's just woven yeah. within the fabric of the show. It's not going anywhere, but maybe the, how they do it is different. I mean, if, is there any suggestions, like if you had any say in production of this show, something that you would want to see more of, something that you want to see less of, anything? I mean, I definitely like to see them widen their casting, which has happened a little bit. You know, there's obviously more racial diversity than there has been in the past, but I just think when you get more people who come from different backgrounds who have had different life experiences, you're inevitably going to get new and interesting narratives. And because there was so long that they were kind of casting the same sort of people, I I think that's maybe part of why it gets a little tired. Um, And so I don't know, I'd be interested to see more like different body types, more racial diversity, um, more more sexual diversity. I mean, at this like the Vietnam Bachelor Vietnam um, uh, on our podcast, we interviewed the showrunner and one of the story producers, and they talked to us about the moment where the the two women from the season got together on camera, and it just sounded so fantastic. Like, what a surprise to production! Like, I don't know. Like, why hasn't something like that happened on the American Show? I feel like if they just perhaps allowed uh, the, the typecasting to be a little bit less, maybe some more unexpected things would come up. Um, I'm not, I, I don't really see that happening because I do think they like to have control over what that structure is. And it depends on, you know, making sure the women or our men are only thinking about this one person, but I don't know. Did I, that- I, I would like to see changes did that bachelor vietnam showrunner say that they were aware that these two women were either lesbian or bisexual i don't even know what they were no they weren't they weren't uh they weren't aware so it just happened but i am interested in that like the the, a similar thing happened um in australia and it's crazy that in so many seasons nothing like that has happened on the the u.s version and the, the only openly um, sexually open contestant that we've seen Jamie. Wa- was Jamie. Yeah, she's right. She was openly bi, but it just was such a silly, the way that they framed it felt almost absurd. They were like, who will Jamie choose for a date on Paradise? And it's like, none of these other women are interested in women. So yeah. obviously she's going to ask a guy out like and and when they do things like that it feels like oh you're using Jamie's sexuality as a prop not genuinely exploring her life experience um yeah. and i think you know a moment like for Kaylin and Col- Colton's conversation that's another life experience that is actually being brought to the show 
Um, I'd also love to see, have you, have you seen, uh, the Netflix show dating around? No, but I've read about it. And that was from the, that was from the showrunner who came from the bachelor, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. And they show a lot of dates where they have a lot of really varied conversations. And I still sometimes feel frustrated that the bachelor for the sake of kind of pleasing the entirety of the audience um, often tends to sort of neuter the the dialogue between the lead and the contestants. So they sort of exist in this fantasy world where like political differences don't exist and religious differences rarely exist. And um, just kind of these, these things that would, or, or like, do you want children? Uh, and it's sort of just assumed. And I would love to see, I would love to see more like push pull between um, the the lead and and people on the show who perhaps have different worldviews from them. Yeah, you know, and going back to the the sexual diversity thing that you brought up, I think the problem with that is because the basics the basis of the show are women competing for a man or men competing for a woman. It almost made it almost um, the casting of Jamie almost I was I didn't understand why they did it. If she's interested in I mean, I guess she could have fallen for what season was she? Nick? She, yeah, she was Nick's right. I mean, I guess she could have fallen. She, for dates Nick's, but... men. she dates men, too. So, OK, so she does date men. Yeah. Um, but the thing that happened on Bachelor Vietnam. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess you wouldn't expect it to happen on The Bachelor because I'm assuming when they're going through casting, they are casting heterosexual women to compete for a heterosexual male. Yes. And, yeah. And so they wouldn't necessarily fall for each other. But we, we have had a couple contestants who have come out after they were contestants on this show. I know Chris Lee Kennedy from uh, Charlie O'Connell's season uh, came out as bisexual or maybe a lesbian. I can't remember. Um, she went, she was, she finished second on Charlie O'Connell's season and then, went on the first season of Bachelor Pat, and then she did a whole feature in, um, uh, I think People Magazine did something on her where she came out. And um, so obviously there are people who go on the show who after the fact, you know, it decide to come out or maybe the show triggered something that helped them come out. I don't know, but it, it has happened with a couple contestants that we're aware of. But yeah, Jamie, the only one going in that we absolutely knew, you know, Right. Liked men and women. So, I mean, I, it's interesting. I mean, I, I the show is I guess, so I service guess level. Happened. Right. I, I, I get structurally why they haven't, but I don't know. Maybe it's time for them to, to break their formula a little bit. Only problem is it goes back to what we talked about earlier of if it ain't broke. Don't oh, I don't think it. they will. I don't yeah. think they will. But if we're talking like, would I like them to? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you might have to, you might, you might, um, I mean, I know you want them to, but just like the Colton thing and asking the male parent to, uh, for permission, you might have to die on that vine with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know fine. If changing. I've, I've, I'm settled within myself about it, you know, but a girl can dream. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I want to end. Uh, I want to end things uh, with what I do with is uh, is called the final ten, where we um, 
I got 10 random questions that are all pertaining more personal questions about you and things that you like and maybe don't like and just kind of go from there. Um, So question number one, what is your favorite guilty pleasure 80s show? 80s TV show? Yeah, or it could be movie. I'll I'll go TV or movie. Okay. Oh, I love eighties movies. I mean, like any any John Hughes movie. Yes. Yeah, like give me Pretty in Pink, give me Sixteen Candles, some kind of wonderful The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club I wouldn't consider a guilty pleasure. It's super excellent. Um, but Sixteen Candles super problematic, but I I still love it. <laughs> problematic. Because... Um, there's a lot of like casual, casual racism with the long duck dong character. Oh, oh, it's yeah. like a sexual assault, you know, things that didn't register when I first saw it when I was a kid. And looking back, you're like, that didn't age well at all. Yeah. You could never get away with what they did in that movie. Oh, no, no. Now, uh, pretty in pink. One of the most overrated, not over it, underrated, uh, oh, movies of all time from the eighties. I love it. The, my my theme music at the beginning of end of every podcast is from Pretty in Pink. Uh, it's the Rave Ups, Positively Lost Me. Um, and it's one of my, it's just something that song has always stuck with me. And um, yeah, that's why I use it in my podcast. I love that. Oh, Pretty in Pink. What a, what a classic. Do you know this? Uh, this is a little uh, Molly Ringwald slash John Hughes slash 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink trivia. Pretty in Pink came out the year uh, – no, 16 Candles was first and then Pretty in Pink. Did you know that if you watch Pretty in Pink – God, I keep saying Pretty in Pink. If you watch 16 Candles, a scene in the beginning of the movie where Molly Ringwald is walking through the hallways, on her notebook she has written the Rave Ups, who were a band at that time, and then the Rave Ups end up actually being the music – uh, for when they go to the bar in Pretty in Pink with Ducky and, and all that. They're the ones that are performing. And Molly Ringwald's sister is the one who either married or had a child with the lead singer of the Rave Ups. It's just this weird... Oh, I love that. It's what a this, good piece of trivia. Oh, yeah. It's just this weird mix-up because... And I didn't even know it until after the fact until I read it online one time and then I looked for it in 16 Candles. Like, oh, yeah, there's she wrote Rave Ups on her notebook. Anyway, okay, question number two. What is your favorite slow song of all time? Oh, God. And you're not allowed to say shallow since it's on everybody's mind after the Oscars. Ugh, I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's the greatest. Um, let's see. I'm the type of person who you're like, what's your favorite? And then I'm like, wait, what's a song? I've never heard a song. <laughs> uh, but I'll go with, uh, just because I'm feeling some nostalgia, um, All By Myself, Celine Dion. Oh, all right. Um, question number three, obviously you've written for the Huntington Post, Huffington, Huntington Post, Huffington <laughs> Post for a, for a long time. Um, it's, it's such a general question, but maybe something sticks out to you. What is your favorite person or story you ever covered? Oh gosh. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think I've now I've written so much. I mean, something that I was really proud of um, was a piece that I wrote in the wake of the whole Aziz Ansari story. Yeah. Uh, 
And I, I, I don't think he was like my favorite person to cover, but I thought that that uh, conversation brought up a lot of really interesting threads. And I was proud of the way that I was able to kind of tie them together into a nuanced piece. Um, and it was one of the most personal things I've ever written. So I was very proud of that. And I got to like go on MSNBC and talk about it. And yeah, it was cool. Did you, did you ever speak to the woman in question on that? No, no, I did not. Uh, okay. cause she, she was an anonymous source to uh, babe.net. So oh, that's right. She talked, that's yeah. right. She talked to babe. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Question number four, how many movies can you recite word for word and which ones are they? Oh, um, definitely a handful. I think I could recite along, like I could recite along with them. Um, working girl. I recently rewatched cruel intentions and apparently I know quite a bit of that dialogue. (laughs) Um, mean girls probably could recite quite a lot of, I'm sure there's more. It's funny because my answer to that is basically, I could easily do Breakfast Club. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Breakfast Club, I probably could, too. Um, 16 Candles, I could do a lot of, not word for <laughs> word. I could do all the main scenes that everyone recites, but um, you know the basic, but even basic dialogue in Breakfast Club I can do because I literally, I think I was fifth or sixth grade when that came out. And that's a pretty intense movie for a fifth or sixth yeah. grader back at the time that it came out, but I watched it nonstop when I, like I would just come home from school and put it on and watch it. And I just thought it was so funny. And thinking back on it now, I probably didn't understand half the stuff that they were talking about in that movie. Oh, when I first saw that movie, I did not understand half of it. I was pretty young. Um, but I remember feeling like, wow, this is a really deep, important movie. Like, (laughs) I'm just struck by this movie. I absolutely loved it. Oh, another one I could recite a lot of is Clueless. Oh, okay. Uh, you Lots know, it's, it's funny. I, I think I saw Breakfast Club about a month ago. It was on one of the cable channels, and I stopped to watch it and whatever. I mean, that movie still holds up today. And yeah. it is it – is, that movie is so good. I, I, almost re, I almost want any teenager to watch that movie because, especially in the times that we're dealing with now and just – treating people and how you treat people and stuff like that. I, that movie is excellent and it's amazing. It still holds up 30 years later um, because not many movies do. Um, yeah. I think the, the thing about that movie is that the fundamental message at its core, even if there are, you know, moments or situations that don't quite hold up the, the through line um, is what you're saying is that people that you don't know someone's story, yeah. uh, that you might have a lot in common with someone that you consider an other to you, and everyone has vulnerabilities. And so I think that's just a universal message. And it's and and especially when you're talking about growing up and feeling alienated, like that is that is not going to go away no matter what decade it is. Yeah, and like you said, there are moments in that movie where it's like, yeah, now the treatment of you know, the cursing at each other and the treatment of some people and, and stuff like that. Um, that part, you know, just goes along with the movie. But like you said, the overall theme of that uh, can never get lost on anybody. And I, I still would suggest that anybody watch that movie. And plus at the time I thought it was the, I mean, at at the time I was, I was not the John Bender character. I was Andrew. I was the (laughs) jock and, 
in high school. Um, but the Bender character, I just thought was the funniest thing ever. I thought that was so. Uh, oh, he's hilarious. But I mean, could he have been any more of a pig and sexist? Probably not. But right. at that time, as I'm just like, wow, that was just the funny lines that he was saying as a, as a sixth grader. I mean, I think of also, Judd Nelson was just so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was such a great movie. Anyway, um, question number five. Most interesting. Uh, this is tough because, again, I'm sure you've had a few, but most interesting podcast guest you've had and maybe a podcast guest that how it differed from maybe how you thought it would go. Maybe someone you thought you'd like and you didn't, or maybe someone you weren't really sure on. And after you spoke to them, were like, whoa, interesting. Yeah, I think so. So Allison Williams is one of our most delightful podcast guests. Um, she is fantastic. Obviously not a Bachelor alum, so no juice in that way. But From, um, from girls? One, from girls, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. Girls. Um, and she's someone that I had you know, been somewhat of a, a fan of in her performances in girls. And then we found out because she said something actually to Cosmo UK about listening to our podcast. Um, we were like, Oh, I guess she listens to our podcast. Maybe she wants to come on. And now um, we've become friendly with her and she's just completely delightful. And I love seeing her completely unbridled enthusiasm for this franchise. And then in terms of your second part of your question, um, I think that, Olivia Caridi is someone that I wasn't sure how she was going to be in person, given the way that she was edited on the show. And then I just immediately adored her. And I find her to be very charming, very smart, um, and just so much fun to be around. Um, And, and I find, you know, I always am skeptical at, at the women that are vilified I I always kind of want especially if they seem to be like a little against type for the bachelor I always kind of wonder like are they really you know quote unquote a villain Uh, you know I felt a similar way about Taylor Nolan who we've also had on the podcast and is fantastic to be around in person um and so Olivia was someone that I was like wow your personality is very different than what was presented on the show. And I find most of the time it's not that different, uh, but with her it was. Yeah. Anybody that has listened to my podcast over the years and, and has read what I wrote knows that I am team Olivia always will be Tim Olivia. Love her to death. And she's been a guest two times on my podcast. I've been on hers two or three times. I mean, it's just, she she definitely got a raw end of the deal, and she owns up to the mistakes that she did make on the show. She's yeah. never she's never claimed I was perfect. She goes, I gave them exactly what they wanted, and I didn't. But it was almost like at the time that I was doing it, I didn't realize what I was doing, and that's what happened. And she's always owned up to um, the fact that she is never done well in a group, a giant group setting of women. It's just never been her thing, and she knew that she wasn't liked, and it was she kind of felt ganged up on there, but. We all know Olivia's story. I love her to death. Yeah. <laughs> and she's she's great. Um, question number six, totally random. What are your favorite toppings on a pizza? Uh, pepperoni and, and onion, actually. Pepperoni and onion. Huh. I don't know if I'd put them together, but I like onion pizza and I like pepperoni pizza. I haven't ever tried them together. Oh, you've never had it both on? No, but it'd probably be good. 
Yeah, I can't. I mean, if you like one, yeah, <laughs> if you like them both separately, I can't imagine why you wouldn't like them both together. All right, question number seven: Your top five reality shows of all time. Rank them in order from best to or one to five. Oh gosh, like um, your favorite reality show of all time, and then go down the list. Well, up until um, after the 2016 election, The Bachelor was pretty much the only reality show I watched. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. And then for some reason, I just, my capacity for um, watching television that felt really intense just went down because our entire world felt like a reality television show. So I started watching Bravo for the first time, (laughs) and it was a revelation. Let's see. Top five, I'd say... I'd say I'd still have to give my favorite to The Bachelor, ride or die. Um, number two is definitely Vanderpump Rules. It's brilliant. Um, number three would be... Got to be one of the Housewives franchises, I would think, right? Since not you're, since you're in Bravo? Crazy, I'm not crazy into the Housewives. Isn't that weird? Oh, okay. I just I like the ones about the the younger people that like have pre-existing relationships. Like that's what's so interesting about Vanderpump Rules is you can tell these people people weren't just cast randomly and then became friends while they were filming. They had known each other most of them for years before they started filming. So I think that brings something really different than what we see on a show like The Bachelor. It's a good contrast. Gotcha. Um, I think dating around has now become my my number three. Number four, maybe a little maybe fixer upper, a little HGTV. Throw okay. that in. I love me some home decor. Um, and then five would be, you think, um, either Southern Charm or this hilarious Australian reality show that Netflix just put on a month ago called instant hotel, uh, which if you haven't watched it, it's hilarious. It's pairs of Australians who like rent Airbnbs essentially go around and stay in each other's lavish Airbnbs and are competing against each other and rate each other's homes. And they're all incredibly bitchy about each other's homes. And it's so funny. Huh? Interesting. Never even heard of it. So you're wow. you're not one that's into the big, like, in your top five there was no Idol or Survivor or Big Brother no. or Amazing Race. Did you have you even watched those shows or no? I mean, I've seen Idol, I've seen Survivor like years ago when they started, but no, not my thing. Like I've I've watched some of The Voice, but like most of the competition shows aren't really my thing. Um, I like the ones that feel really really human. And then I just, I like Chip and Joanna Gaines and I'm very into uh, seeing beautiful homes with gorgeous backsplashes. Okay. All right. Question number eight, this is called eight for eight where I've got eight questions within the, within this question number eight, but they're really quick. It's basically, basically one or the other. All right. Um, Grape or strawberry jelly? Strawberry. Rom-com or drama? Rom-com. Creamy or crunchy peanut butter? Crunchy. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Vacation, domestic or international? International. Podcasting or writing? Oh, God. Writing. Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling. Chris Pratt or Chris Hemsworth? What about Chris Evans? Okay. <laughs> 
You know what's funny? That question used to be Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, or Chris, um, who's the other popular Chris that I would be forgetting that's in that? Oh. Um, Pratt, Hemsworth, Evans, or? The, what's his face from um, from Wonder Woman? Pine, yeah. That Pine, was, yeah. yes. See, and, I prefer and, Chris Pine and Chris Evans to the other two. Okay, see, that's the thing. Every time I asked that with the four Chris's, the only answers I got were Hemsworth or Pratt. So I just took Evans and I oh took gosh, Evans no. and Pine out. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm very into uh, Pine and Evans. Evans, number one. Pine, number two. Chris Pratt is my least favorite. He, I don't know. Since he ta- started talking like so much about Jesus, I just, it's not for me. Um, You know, the other thing was I one of the all-time classic high school movies was Chris Evans in not another, it was not another teen movie. It was the one he was in, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, just a classic because when you look back, you know, you look at him now and he's captain America and he's Mr. Buff and all this. And then you think back to his start and he was the front man on a, a parody high school movie that was, I could sit there and watch for days. Uh, that's one of my all time yeah. favorites. Um, he's fantastic. Uh, and then the last one was Halloween, Thanksgiving, or Christmas. Uh, well, I'm Jewish, so no oh. Christmas. Okay. Um, <laughs> although Jewish Christmas actually is fantastic. Let's see. Um, I'll have to go with Thanksgiving. Okay. Question number nine. Your male and female celebrity crush. Now, does that mean that Chris Evans is your male crush? He's definitely one of them. Okay. Um. Oh, gosh. Uh, actually, he and Ryan Gosling are are definitely two of them. Um, and then Noah Centineo, who's too young for me, but was so charming in, to all the boys I loved before. Yeah. Okay. And then female? And female. Um, Allison Williams? I mean, <laughs> now now we're real friends, so I don't have to crush <laughs> on her. Uh, let's see. Zoe Kravitz is up there for me. Um. I know everyone thinks Anne Hathaway is a tryhard, but I kind of like that about her. Like, I'd want to talk to her in person. Um, I'm like, I know I'm probably going to think of someone after the fact. And Oh, Kristen Bell. I love Kristen Bell. Oh, how can you not? I mean, yeah. she's like impossible oh. not to like. I know. And Veronica Mars and The Good Place are two of the greatest shows. So, Gotcha. Um, and then question number 10 is something called, uh, called explain your tweet where I go through your Twitter account and I have you explain something on it. And we touched on this earlier. This is an easy one because on, yeah. on Monday night during the episode of the bachelor, you tweeted out in all caps, by the way, um, <laughs> stop asking male parental figures for permission in stars to marry a woman. Yes. This is the hill I will die on, which that part wasn't in parentheses. Now, Colton responded to you. And for those that didn't see it, Colton's response was, these are my values and beliefs. These women are independent and can clearly make decisions on their own. However, it's a respect thing. I can only pray that if I have a daughter, the man that asked her to marry her has a conversation with me first. So your reaction to Colton's reaction to your tweet. Um, so I did respond to him. Um, I wrote two tweets in response and then, clarifying myself and and then he responded and said he he saw where I was coming from so that was actually shockingly a nice interaction on Twitter which is so rare um but 
I, I take issue with the fact that just because you consider something your value or a tradition that it's not open to critique, um, especially when, look, this, this wasn't a private, you know, meeting the parents scenario, a private engagement scenario that I'm like coming out swinging for. This is on a show about sort of an idealized version of dating and marriage and love. And it's broadcast to, as you said, 6.5 million people. So that's giving us messages about what this love and dating and courtship should look like. And uh, I think it's worth pointing out that the tradition and, and what I take issue with more specifically is the fact that the use of the word permission, um, which implies that the male parental figure not not the mom, the dad or the stepdad or whatever male guardian needs to grant another man permission to essentially like hand off his daughter to him. Uh, and, and this tradition arose because historically marriage was about economics. It was an economic brokering um, and women were essentially treated as property of their fathers to then be passed off to their husbands. Uh, and there's a reason that there, and that's the reason, you know, there's no equivalent. It's not as though like people say, this is just tradition. It's a respect thing. Well, then why aren't you showing that re same respect to this woman's uh, female parental figure if she has one? And why isn't the woman then showing that respect to the, her future husband's family by going to them and say, do I have your blessing to join your family? Do I have your, your permission to accept your son's proposal. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's, there's clearly a double standard there. And of course, everyone should definitely get married and engage to who they want in the way they want to do it. And if, if that's uh, their tra tradition, you really, that feels really meaningful to you, then of course, like, that's your choice. Uh, but that I also think it's totally fair game to have a critical conversation about why that tradition exists and whether it's still relevant. And we know this show probably isn't going to ever attack the critical issue of this particular no. ritual that they do every season. That we just, right. yeah, it's just. And I also think like I was struck by how extreme it felt with Colton. I, you know, I think in the last few seasons, of course, we always see some version of this, but we've seen the term blessing be used more often than permission. We've seen, just you know, a general conversation for approval from both with both the mother and the the father, or you know, the whole family. We've seen more parents say to the bachelor or bachelorette, you know, that's my child's decision. I I trust them, and like there was none of that in this episode. And Colton specifically said multiple times, "I can't look a father in the eye if I have doubts. I need to man up and." And I, I have to, I could never get down on a knee without the father's permission. He used the word permission a lot. So I, that's what I took issue with. Okay. No, I mean, it was, I, I didn't see a response to him, but that's interesting that he, you guys had a little back and forth and yeah. it was able to be civil, but, um, uh, Emma, you've completed the final 10 and you've oh my com goodness. completed this <laughs> podcast. Uh, great job. Thank you so much for the insight and, coming on the podcast today and uh, sharing this is the first time we've had you on. Definitely we'll have you on uh, in the future for sure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know that I, I love listening to your podcast, so it's a, definitely an honor to be on. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you soon. 
Take care. Yes. Thank you very much to Emma for that. Never had her on before. I've been on their podcast a few times in the past and wanted to bring her on and get her thoughts on everything. And um, uh, very well-spoken. I mean, if you've been a writer for the Huffington Post for eight years, you definitely know your shit. And uh, very well-spoken on the show. Some interesting um, opinions about this show. And uh, I know that there are... Some of you that are listening right now probably listen to the uh, Here to Make Friends podcast every week. So I wanted to uh, definitely have her on and talk about that. So thanks again to Emma uh, for coming on. Uh, and as always, we get to uh, the second part of the podcast every week while Temptation Island is airing. As you know, we have a weekly conversation with Casey Campbell. So let's get to her right now talking about episode number seven. All right, here she is, Casey Campbell from Temptation Island. Casey, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Great news in Temptation Island world that uh, they have been picked up for a season two, thanks to uh, you guys and the great season that you've I'm... brought us thus far. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it. so exciting. I think, um, I think I read they get like 12 episodes of reunion, so yeah. Um, it must be doing super well. So exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's good to see. I know obviously it's gotten a lot of social media buzz, the show has, and I think yeah. bringing attention to it as much as, as, as I have on this site. I, I, I've had a lot of people tell me, like, I didn't even know it was on or I had never even heard of this show until you've talked about it every week and, yeah. now, and now I'm addicted. And it is. It's <laughs> addicting. Like, let's face it. This is an addicting show. We like people that like The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I my thing to them was I, I don't if you like the bachelor and bachelorette and you like the format of it i i don't see how you wouldn't like this show um yeah you know it's it's definitely i know i know there's no rose ceremonies wherever and you're not competing for one person but this is actually way more interesting and although it's reality yeah, TV, it's like way more real so, yeah like that's the craziest thing is i've been such a bachelor a bachelorette fan my whole life but i get like dm comments all the time where people are like i'm not even watching the bachelor right now i'm watching temptation island and i'm like just blown away like that just that really does blow my mind <laughs> the interesting thing for me when i think about season two of temptation island and i don't think they're going to do this and look they're they're months away from even starting to film the show it's the press release said they're yeah. going to film it at the end of the year but <clears throat> one of the things that i immediately start to think in my mind is i wonder if we are going to get any repeat contestants. And obviously we don't know. I'm not even talking about the couples. I'm just talking about would they possibly bring any singles back, like singles that maybe lasted far oh on the show? You know, would they would they bring them back that's for a second time a around? Good, I don't know. That's a good question. I would definitely make it interesting and very juicy. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back old cast members. <laughs> or even old couples. You <laughs> that's never know. crazy. Even old couples, you never know. Or even new couples that are formed. Maybe they need to go on the show. New <laughs> new couples need to go on the show. Um, all right. Let's let's get into uh, let's get into Tuesday night's episode with um it started off where we left off, which was you leaving <laughs> in a huff at the uh at the bonfire. We've already gone over last week yeah. why why you did what you did and why you didn't want to watch the video. Yeah. You were obviously yeah. not a happy camper when you came back to your <laughs> villa or whatever. Uh, 
And you've talked about anxiety and you've been open about it. Um, was it at yeah. a level 10 that night after you got back from Bonfire? Because it really looked like you were not doing well. Oh, yeah. No, it was full-blown level 10. Like, watching the episode last night, I mean, you can just tell. Like, even me um, with the producer in my room, Coco, like, she's giving me lavender and stuff because, like, I legit needed to calm down. I was having, um, like, a hard time breathing. I was freaking out. And then you could just see me when I'm talking to the guys, um, to Justin and them, like, I can't stop playing with my hands. I'm, like, super fidgety. So, yeah, no, it was definitely a 10. Um, not doing hot. Casey was not doing hot that night. The funny yeah. thing is when when they previewed last week's episode on Twitter, they uh, showed you <laughs> – they showed that clip of you talking to Coco, and on your bed was a – envelope that looked like a letter a letter or a, you know a page you know you confirmed it that it was a paycheck but then when the episode aired last night yeah they had taken it out the fact that you told me it was a paycheck was funny because I'm like wait a they're paying you while you're there like why are you not do they expect you to go to the bank and I don't get what you were I doing know. getting paid there I, that's totally bizarre it was to so, yeah, it was so complicated. Like, I was the lucky one because I had direct deposit. But if you didn't have direct deposit, I mean, number one, we're not allowed to have on phones. Number two, like, we can't just, like, freely go to the bank. So it was just a huge ordeal, like, every single week. Um, yeah, it was complicated and a huge ordeal, the whole, whole payday situation, that's for sure. I guess that's a little bit of uh, inside just because, I, I mean, I think – People watching the show probably understand that, um, you know, there's a there's a payment element to it, just like there is if people, you know, contestants on Bachelor yeah. in Paradise. But I, yeah. I, I think I was just always under the assumption that you you as contestants either got paid before you left for the show or once filming was over. Or, like, I didn't realize they were paying you during yeah. the show when you can't do anything about that paycheck at the time. So weird. Yeah, no, it was so weird because it was my first like reality TV experience or like really any experience like this, and it was actually it was very weird how it was still just like a normal payday. Like you had to fill out like a normal payday form and like, wow. all this stuff. Yeah, it was very surprising. Um, after that scene, uh, we get a shot of the guys talking about what they saw at the bonfire. And it was really interesting <sighs> because the way this conversation was going I almost felt like, well, tell me how you felt. So John is very upset of what he saw in his bonfire video of of Katie and Johnny yeah. getting very close and basically calling her weak for what she did, which then, of course, yeah. forces Evan to chime in and ask him, well, do you think I'm weak? Because <laughs> I'm essentially doing the same exact thing. And it almost like John was like, oh, well, I don't think you're weak. You, yeah. got, you guys had boundaries that you set. And I was like, yeah, and I broke every single one of them. I it was really I almost felt like John and Carl didn't know how to tell Evan that they didn't agree with what he's doing because what they were saying yeah. what John was saying about Katie is essentially what Evan did to you. So how did you take that whole scene? Yeah. Um I think that John and Carl got stuck in a bad little moment because I think it's clear as day just the reactions on their faces that yeah, they think Evan's weak. He's doing exactly, if not worse, what their girls are doing. And it, it's also like their boy, you know, like boys are boys. And 
they're always like have each other's back so they don't want to like go against bro code and their little bromance going on. But yeah, it's obvious. Like John, as soon as Evan says it, John is like, Oh God, like he doesn't even know what to say. And then Carl as ever being wise and smooth, like the weakness is not you know, the weaknesses in your relationship. Um, I definitely give him props for saving the whole situation like that but yeah like it's obvious the guys do not agree with what he's doing it's kind of comical to be honest um when you were talking to the guys i think it was either later that night it might have been the next night but you mentioned it earlier you were talking to justin and how you were very fidgety and shaking a little bit um you had mentioned yeah you told the guys basically what you saw uh or what you heard on the video and you said look i think you know, he's seriously yeah. with somebody over there, and you said if he had sex, it's over. And then you mentioned the thing yeah. about we have the option to send a 30-second video to them, and Justin tells you, I wouldn't give him nothing. And was there <laughs> was there any part of you thinking about not leaving Evan a message? Um. Yeah, actually. Um, I mean, you saw the guy's reaction very briefly, but... No, like, the guys, all 12 of them were very much, like, do not give him a message. They're like, this guy does not deserve a message. Like, when they found out about the messages, they were, like, very pissed about it. It was definitely a topic in our house for, um, like, a day or two. Um, I did not know what I was going to say. You you see me saying that. Like, I have no idea what I would even say. But then I was just like, when it came right down to it, it's like, this is someone that has been in my life for 10 years. Like, it's been not even three weeks separated. Like, I have no idea what is actually going down over there. And I need to get him a message to just get him back on track because this is old patterns. This is old behavior that I've seen before. These are old feelings that I've had, and it's all too familiar. And I just knew in my heart exactly what I needed to say to like really wake him the heck up. And I just, at that moment in time, it just felt right to send the message. You know, one of the women this season, and I think it's pretty evident by watching everything. Obviously you've been through a roller coaster of emotions on the show this season, but (laughs) one woman that certainly seems to have maybe experienced the most out of all this uh, is Nicole. Um, she really yeah. seems to have grasped more, like learned more about her relationship with Carl and learned more about herself probably yeah. than maybe any of the other girls. I'm not saying that you guys didn't, but she really seems because she constantly, she, she constantly keeps bringing up the fact that, Hey, yeah, Carl and I had a great relationship, but until I got here and I saw, how Katie felt yeah. about John and how Casey felt about Evan. Like I'm not even close to those women's levels. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, um, Nicole, she's a fascinating person. I mean, she's already kind of admitted in previous episodes, like she's dealt with being a little bit cold hearted and a little bit closed off. Um, on the show, me and her, like we would talk every morning when we wake up and like check in with each other at night. And, excuse me um she just grew so much as a person like it got to the point where like this girl couldn't shed a tear when I first met her and then we would have talks towards the end and she's like crying and opening up and being vulnerable and 
one of the saddest things that she ever told me, actually, she held my hand one time and she was just like, I'm so honored to know someone that can love the way that you do. And she was like emotional when she was saying it and just knowing that she's never felt that way about someone or didn't know like people are capable of loving like that. Um, it's sad, but it's also such a blessing that she came on the show because it showed her just a different way to love and like that butterflies are real and she deserves to know that she's an incredible girl. And yeah, she changed a lot in a very short period of time. That's, that's for sure. You know, we teased it last week that uh, this was going to be by far the most emotional episode of the season. There was probably more crying in this episode by more different people than we've seen all season. Uh, One of them we saw was John. I mean, after John got back from the, from the bonfire, he broke down in the kitchen um, and it was, okay. it was, it was tough to watch. Uh, he really yeah. was affected by what he saw with Katie. And, um, when you watched it, what were your thoughts of seeing how John couldn't even, it's almost like he was just going to talk about it and be cool with it. And the second he started talking yeah. about it, 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 he couldn't do it and broke down. Yeah. When I was watching that, I felt a few things. I was just like, dang, like he's really, uh, his heart's breaking. Like what he's feeling right now, I am feeling that over at the mountain villa. He's like, you could just tell like, this is just so not the way that he thought things were going to go. Like he really had faith in his relationship and um, Katie. And that's how I felt. It was almost like a mirror image of myself. Honestly, it's like, okay, like I'm in the mountain villa and then there's John is me over at the beach villa. Like we're both going through the same situation. And I just feel for him because there's such a double standard when it comes to like women crying and men crying. So <clears throat> I know him getting emotional like that must have been scary, honestly, with um, other men and all the girls in the house. And you can just feel it. Like you can feel how just devastated and shocked he is. And yeah, it definitely um, tore at my heartstrings because I had no idea he was that um, broken up. And it was, yeah, it was hard to see. Well, the dates started this week, and Casey, being the equal opportunity dater that she is, goes on uh, <laughs> a date with yet another guy that's different from anybody else that she's got. Like, you, you're the only person that's every date you've gone on has been with a different person up to this point. I know. It's so funny. <laughs> you went on a date with Luna and his overalls, uh, which, which Nell yes. – which yes, Nell, I did. Which Nell pointed out in her recap this week that I didn't even it didn't even dawn on me and I was like oh yeah he did have overalls on and I didn't know that that was a thing anymore. Oh um, my god, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> um, so you're on the date with him and it's again it's you more talking about what you're feeling and what's going on and then of course you know you're struggling with everything that you're seeing in bonfires and thinking about and not knowing for sure what's going on on the other side of the island yeah and then of course they you know flip on over to how evan's doing on his date and there he is in the ocean with morgan <laughs> straddling him making out in the water like it's right it's torture <laughs> never-ending slow-mo <laughs> i mean it's just oh god um and you know, and and some of the things that Evan said again, you know, he you know telling Morgan he never expected to meet a girl like her here, and he you know what he said to yeah. her I thought was interesting. He said, "Look, I came here and I thought I was going to be tempted, and maybe realize I might not want to be with Casey anymore, but I didn't think I would yeah. meet the person that I might want to be with forever." And again, 
We yeah. went over this last week on the call with him, and we're very well aware that obviously Evan spent every living, breathing second with Morgan over there, and we're only seeing the physical part of it. <laughs> but still, it is a hard for yeah. people to grasp that two weeks of him hanging out with her, he's come to this epiphany that this is the woman he's supposed to spend the rest of his life with. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't really get it. But, again, watching that, for you, watching that again last night, is that just as hard to see as him, you know, getting in bed and her on top of him and him saying that he's falling for her? Um, um, I would say, again, like, you know, like, we're all in such different places. Um, if I were to explain this, like, back when we first, like, finished filming, um, yeah, it would be very hard to watch because it's just shocking, the type of stuff that he's telling her. Um. But watching it now, I mean, it's just, it's very interesting to me, to be honest, because I've just, I've been through all of this stuff with Evan before. Um, I've just, I've been through all this. I've seen it before. Like, he, you, this, this is what he says, like, when he's falling for someone. And he's a very, like, whirlwind guy, you know? Like, every girl he's ever really dated besides me, um, he meets, and within, like, a week or two, it's like, that's the love of his life. So it's just, it's interesting to actually see it because in the past I've just heard about it. So actually seeing it is very, um, it's shocking. It's like eye opening and yeah, Evan has, um, Evan has serious patterns and to see it play out on national television is just, um, it's genuinely just, it's shocking. Is this that's the best that's the best way to put it. Is this some of the stuff that when he courted you, he was saying to you? Um, with me, I'm like the only girl that was different. Um, with me, he always took things like slow with, to be honest. Um, he didn't rush things with us. Um, he definitely said those types of things, but after we like really like dated and like spent time together and like built the foundation. Um, but yeah, other girls. Yeah. He's, I've heard a lot of these things before and I've been told of him saying a lot of these things before. So it's just, he's a passionate man and he was on temptation Island and he was being passionate and yeah. One, one thing that we learned I think there was like a mini pool party going on. You guys were all splashing around or whatever. But uh, we did learn that Shari and Kate, uh, Katie say that they take the longest to get ready. Obviously, you hang oh out with these women a lot. Good Lord. If, if we had to break down the four women of longest to shortest, <laughs> what, what's the order of taking to get ready? Okay. You know, amount of time taking to get ready. This is actually simple. Katie hands down no one comes close to katie okay she's like a three hour minimum girl and she's proud of it okay like three hours minimum (laughs) like like she can take more time than that if she needs to um we literally were always i love her death we were always waiting for katie it's like we're supposed to be ready in like 30 minutes and she's still like putting on self-care that like takes an hour to dry and like her hairs and curlers like she she's a funny one and then Nicole and Shari would come in second. They're kind of a tie. They always finish first, but they still take, like, a long time to get ready. Um, and then me, I'm, like, I'm hilarious. I take, I can take 30 minutes. Like, I was literally, not even just with the three girls, but with all the 
single guys. I was always the first one on set. And not just, like, the first one, but, like, I was there, like, an hour before everybody else. Like, it got to be... It was a joke. Like, the producers were like, who's ready? Yep, Casey. Casey's ready in a room napping while everybody else is being seen. I was always ready. So, yeah, Katie is the queen, and then Shari and Nicole Tide, and then me, I'm always ready and waiting for them. I'm just curious about when you say three hours for Katie. Are we talking from the second she steps into the shower till the time that she is done and ready to go? We're talking three hours? Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. How much of that time is spent in the shower? of the three hours does she take long showers or she's more of yeah the accessory i think part? yeah she takes long showers um i think like 30 minutes in the shower um she just like takes her time like her sweet sweet time <laughs> well it's probably it probably took her longer too in the shower when johnny's in there with her making out you know that probably slowed things down a bit. i know that was my shower <laughs> by the way i was like well, when did johnny and katie sneak into my shower oh it was your sh- oh it was your shower <laughs> Yeah, that was mine and Nicole's. Like, it was our outdoor shower, part of our bathroom. I think we let them in one night when, like, we were partying or something. But, yeah, they just, like, snuck in there and took a shower in our bathroom. Ah, uh, okay. Um, here's something I know you're going to have an opinion on. Um, so, oh Evan brings up – he's talking to Morgan and Catherine, and Evan brings up the fact that they have the opportunity to leave a video message for their significant yeah. other. And Morgan kind of like, whoa, wait a second. You're not leaving her a message. You're not telling her. You're dumping her. And Morgan was really <laughs> bothered by the fact that a uh, she, that he wasn't going to, um, I don't know, end a ten year friendship slash relationship uh, over a thirty second video. Thirty second message. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, your thoughts on that? I mean, I can pretty much probably guess what they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It just, it looks ridiculous. I mean, seriously, like 10 years? I don't know. Um, I don't know what kind of relationship I've been in, but like I've known this guy since I was 19 years old. Um, I've lived with his family. We have a full-blown life together. I've been really open about it. Um, to end that kind of relationship in a 30-second message on a reality show, um, that's just so disrespectful. Like it's just not at all the way to go about something like that. So I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know what kind of relationship she's been in. I really don't know anything about her, but yeah, that was something else to hear her say that. But at the same time, I do understand why she's concerned. I mean, he's telling her all these incredible things. He's all in like it's her and him. We're going to do this thing together. And, he can't even send me a message to let me know what's going on. Like he's just leaving me in the dark. Like that would be concerning if I was her. Um, because it seems like he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Like he's doing his thing with Morgan and he's hidden over at the beach villa. And he doesn't know what videos I'm seeing. And he doesn't know what I know. And he's just trying to keep this whole charade going as long as he can. And him sending me a message, um, Evan knows how well I know him. Like, I can look at him and just know what's going on in his mind. So him sending me a 30-second message, it almost wouldn't even matter what he said in it. The second I saw him, I would know what's happening. And he he knew that. So, of course, he's not going to send me a 30-second message, and she should be concerned that he's not sending me a 30-second message. So, that's something up my thoughts. 
when I asked you at the end of last week's episode, I said, put yourself back on that day. Did you think that you were going to get a video from Evan? I think your answer was, I was hoping I would get something, but a part of me knew, yeah. a part of me knew I wouldn't. And we obviously saw that on yep. Tuesday night. You didn't get um, a video from him. <laughs> and yeah, but in yours to him, you were, you know, very upset and bothered and crying and yeah. saying that you're seeing the old Evan. Now that you watched the episode and you saw Evan's reaction mm-hmm. to your video, I mean, this kind of goes back yeah. to what I what I told Evan last week, what I, what I said to you is like deep down, I really do think Evan is a good guy at heart, and I really don't think that he is a malicious person at all because when I saw yeah. him react the way he did to your video, I knew that I, – I think Evan's got – some serious flaws. And I think a lot of those flaws stem from what happened to him earlier in his life. I just don't know how he can't be scarred from that. Anybody would be. And, um, yeah, definitely. When, when he reacted the way he did to your video, I said, okay, I, I get what he's going through because again, he's, I, I legit, maybe he's I don't know. Maybe Evan is the greatest fucking actor in the world. I don't know, but he, (laughs) he has me convinced that, He's really hurting yeah. by what he did. I mean, when you saw yeah. his reaction last night, what did you think? Um, when I saw his reaction, I oh man, this is tough. I actually had um, some of our mutual friends like reach out to me about it last night, so they had opinions as well. Um, I'm torn, honestly, when I watch it. I'm like, oh, dang, like, he's really hurting, like, this is sad. But then it's also like, okay, if you're this upset and you're talking about, like, how much you miss me when, like, meanwhile, there's, like, this girl that you're basically committing your whole life to in the other room, like, you need to, like, take a second and, like, reel it in, like, go away, go in a little room by yourself for, like, a day and really, like, get your shit together because something is off, like, you're all over the place. Um, it's obvious. It's clear as day how confused you are, and you're caught up in the moment, and you need to really, like, figure your shit out. And then a small part of me, because, again, I know Evan well. Um, I mean, 10 years is no joke. It doesn't matter if we weren't exclusively dating the whole time. I've known this kid since he was 18 years old. We are now 28 and 29 years old. Um a long, long, long time to, I mean, I know him. Um, and some of it definitely looks like crocodile tears. So I'm confused. Part of it, I'm like, wow, like this is deep, like he's hurting. Um, I hope that he gets through this. And then part of me is just like, this is crocodile tears because he knows he should be feeling guilty for what he's doing. So huh. that's, that's, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Interesting. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I to me it came across as it, he was really hurting. But like I said, I I don't know him obviously yeah. nearly as well as you know him, so it's tough to say. And, yeah, and, and, and I'm yeah, like I'm torn on it. I really am because there's parts of the clip that I see, and I'm like, oh wow, like that's deep. Like he's really hurting. He's really in pain. But then there's some parts of the clips that I've I've seen those type of tears before, and I'm like, okay, like I don't know if it's real or not. So I'm just torn on it, to be honest. Well, like we said, this episode was really, 
emotional and it, yeah. it, it, it drove a, a knife into certain people's hearts, namely you and John. Oh yeah. You know, the two, the two people that we have seen physically cheat quote unquote on the show so far <laughs> are Evan and Katie. And they were the two people yeah. that didn't leave video messages. I don't think that was a uh, coincidence at all. Obviously you can't speak for Katie, but obviously you were there with her. I'm sure you guys spoke yeah. about, are you going to leave a video can you give us yeah. the mindset of Katie about why she didn't want to leave John a message? Yeah, I can totally. Um, so when you're on like a production set and definitely on a reality show, I mean, things are hectic. Um, the day that they had us do video messages, um, we were out by the pool all day long. A bunch of them were, like, very buzzed and out in the sun, and she was one of them. Like, she had been drinking all day, um, and then all of a sudden, like, the producer comes up and is like, hey, like, let's go do your video message. And in that moment, she was like, the last thing I need John to see is, like, me tipsy and not, like, I can't give this, like, 30-second concise message with, like, everything that I need to say when I've been out at the pool all day partying. Um so that's actually what happened with her. She kind of, in a way, got, like, screwed over a little bit. Um, me, like, I don't drink, so I was just ready to go. And then the other two girls, uh, they got asked earlier in the day before we'd been, like, partying all day. Um, so she kind of got caught in a weird situation. But then also, I, I feel like she'd be okay with me saying this, Um she was devastated when she found out that I didn't get a message. Like all four of us, like after we got our video messages, we got into the Escalade and they're all talking about their messages. I'm like I'm quiet. And then I just like casually like throw in, like I didn't get one. And she just like broke down because she immediately was just like, Oh my God, like Evan didn't send you a message and I didn't send John. And she came into my room that night and she was so scared. She was like, Casey, like, I feel like, I'm the girl Evan, like, in this house. She's <laughs> like, and just seeing, like, what he's doing to you, I can't even imagine what I'm doing to John. And she was just devastated, just crying in my bed. And I just had to reassure her um, and just let her know, like, everything's going to be okay. Everything happens for a reason. And, like, she does have a good heart, even though she's confused right now. But, yeah, she was absolutely devastated over the whole 30-second message thing um, for quite a few days and actually um even to this day like she she wishes she did yeah no it was it was tough to see yeah i mean just watching her watch john's video she was i don't even know actually I think, oh yeah i think she pulled a casey i think she closed her eyes and she was just listening i don't even think she looked Maybe yep. she, okay yeah she did uh she chose not to look she just yeah, heard, she, heard it but crying the whole time and yeah, then she, and then afterwards was yeah. saying how upset she was and she felt she felt guilty then and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. You know, it was it was a tough episode. Um, next week, episode eight. God, we're we're getting there. We're getting to the end. I mean, we're we're slowly. I know. We are. It's crazy. We are four episodes away uh, from the finale. And, um, you know, ne next week, episode eight. Honestly, I watched episode eight like two weeks ago. I cannot uh -huh. remember what the hell even happens or what the big thing is. I know it's more... I know it's dates again. Oh, we do have, um, you know, not to give any names away or whatever. There are, uh, I think there's a triple elimination where they send three, you guys send three uh, guys oh, home. Oh, yeah, we haven't had an elimination in a while. 
Yeah, and it's three this time, not just one. Um, you send th- or two. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, you guys send three guys home. The girls send three. Wait, you guys send three guys home. Yeah, and the girls send three, or the guys send three girls home. And girls then, home. And then there's dates, <laughs> and then there's we do get a bonfire next week, which I'm sure you and I will talk about. <laughs> uh, yes, we shall. Another, another. <laughs> that's right. That's next week's bonfire is another doozy. Okay. Um, Love me some bonfires. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, just to uh, uh, follow up before we wrap up here to follow up, um, Casey, I'm so excited that you're going to be coming to the Reality Steve fan appreciation party this Yay! this year in Las Vegas on June 7th. Um, like I mentioned, you know, we don't know who you will be bringing. Um you know? I know, right? <laughs> Such a mystery. I mean, it could be, and, and, and I wasn't even saying like, will it be a guy? I mean, we you could bring the girl. Like, you you're open to bringing whoever you want. I don't doesn't matter to me. Yay! Um, so uh, I know I can't wait. Yeah, it's so much fun. It'll be fun. Um, and that'll do it for uh, episode. What was this one? Seven. Yeah, uh, that'll do it for episode seven. KEC, we will uh, we will talk to you next week because I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about after episode eight. Yes. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you next week. All righty. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, there's Casey. Thank you very much to her. Thank you also to uh, Emma earlier in the first guest in our, our podcast. A good talk about all things Bachelor Nation and, and her causes that she fights for. And um, I hope you all enjoyed that for podcast number, what was that, 119. Um as always, please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. If you notice during Emma's podcast, this week's ad is a survey to take to help us understand better what you're looking for in advertisements in podcasts. So if you could go do that, um, if you skipped through it, you know, whatever. But if you could go to podsurvey.com slash Steve and take maybe three to five minutes out of your day and fill that out. It gives our advertisers a better understanding of the people that listen to my podcast and what kind of products uh, they're interested in. So please check that out. It is podsurvey.com slash Steve. Also, if you want to be a part of the He Said, She Said podcast, which will be coming out, uh, episode 16 just dropped this past Tuesday. If you listen to it, it turned into a... Uh, what songs does do I listen to during sex kind of thing? Uh, yeah, that uh, it it got. A, I, I'll, I'll just say this: it, it 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 took on a life of its own, and then Ashley made her own Spotify playlist uh, for called Reality Steve Sexy Time. <laughs> um, but it, it, it let me just make something clear: it's not like every single time I make sure I say, "Okay, wait before we start." Let me put this on. Like, literally, it was 1X, and it was more done out of a joke because I specifically labeled the playlist, uh, lovemaking playlist, and all the songs really had nothing to do with lovemaking, and it was just a bunch of top 40 pop songs. So, yeah. Anyway, go listen to that. Episode 16, uh, it was... Surely an interesting one. But if you want to be a part of a future episode, episode 17 we'll be recording next week. Uh, please email me, email Ashley. Let us know uh, what times on your end. Let us know your best times you can record during the day. 
and then just kind of give us a, a little snippet of what you want to talk about, and we'll uh, and we'll set something up. But again, as I mentioned at the end of the Casey podcast, Vegas Fan Appreciation Party, the fifth annual one, coming up this June 7th at the Rio Hotel. If you want to be a part of it, just email me. Let me know if you're flying in, driving in, or if you live in Vegas and you're just going to drive over from wherever you live. Um there are spots still available. We are almost, I don't want to say we're almost at capacity because this party can fill a lot, but I have to limit it to a certain amount. Um, I'm thinking I can get around 125 or 135 max people there, and I think we're at about 80 right now. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I have roughly 50 spots left. And it's first come, first serve. It doesn't cost you anything. If you're going to take the time to fly out, that's enough for me. Um, we're going to have an open bar all night, and we're going to have food there as well. So if you want to be a part of it, just email me and let me know how you're coming and who in your and how many people in your party are coming and what their names are. So, again, thank you very much to Emma and Casey. That'll do it for podcast number 119. I'm Reality Steve. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. See you.